0: everyone, we are back uh, on the Stogie Lads podcast with another interview special. One of the biggest uh, names in the cigar industry is with us today, namely Pete Johnson of uh, Tatuaje Cigars. Uh, we're very honoured to have him on and it's uh, going to be a great conversation. Um, he's obviously one of the most present people now in the cigar industry. He's, uh, yeah, he's very well respected and people like him a lot, so it's going to be great to, to have a chat with him. Uh, and because of that fact, we are not going to do so much as a cover profile of who he is uh, or just his career. Uh, we're, we wanted to go more specific questions and just pick his mind a little bit since he's got that extreme wisdom uh, that you only can get from
1: many years within the industry. Yeah, we wanted to get into more of the nitty gritty uh, instead of asking the same old questions he's answered time and time again. Uh, so if you have no idea who he is and you want to get a little better like, understanding of the Tatuaje brand, maybe you haven't heard of it, I'd be very surprised if you like cigars and haven't even heard of Tatuaje though. Uh, you can check out some of the many other interviews. He's done interviews on Cigar Aficionado and, and stuff like that, so you can read that quickly if you want before. Uh, but that being said, um, I mean, he is the brand owner, creator of Tatuaje Cigars, one of the world's biggest cigar brands at this point um one of the absolute biggest boutique brands if not the biggest you know boutique brand he really kind of disrupted the cigar industry by making a smaller boutique brand when the huge names were really dominating uh, and he did amazingly well uh, and his track record i mean i'm just we're going to end it by, uh, before we cut to the interview by just saying because <laughs> i think this speaks for itself he's Had a top 25 Cigar of the Year on Cigar Aficionado, obviously the most well-known prestigious ranking. Uh, He's had one entry at least every single year except for 2016. So every single year, that consistency is kind of Mm mind-blowing. Exactly, since
0: the start uh, from 2003, then when mm-hmm. uh, Tatuka was uh, started. So yeah.
1: I think that pretty much speaks for itself. and um, Yeah, let's cut to yeah. it now. Uh, enjoy the interview. We certainly enjoyed it a lot recording it. And uh, yeah, uh, we'll see you guys in a second. All right, guys, uh, one of our most anticipated guests ever, uh, probably the biggest uh, we've had uh, in you know just the cigar industry since. Uh, Mr. Pete Johnson of Tatuaje Cigars, thank you so much for giving us the time and uh, your presence here today.
2: No, thanks for having me on, guys. I've I'm, I'm been looking forward to this. After uh, our good friend Aaron Sigmund mentioned <laughs> uh, you guys, it, it made sense that I needed to come on and visit <laughs> Yeah, so huge Very thanks kind. to
0: to Sigmund as well for for connecting us with you.
2: Yeah, yeah. he he pushed it. He pushed it pretty hard. Um, he goes, "Yeah, you got to talk to these guys. They're <laughs> they're really good dudes." Like, really? I, I'm, I'm doing a thing with. Yeah, no, he actually like went pretty heavy wow. on it. I'm like, have him hit me up.
1: <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah,
0: yeah so okay. it
2: worked we, out great.
1: We owe him. We owe him a lot. Then, wow. Uh, but yeah, lad. Do you want to start it off, Ruben? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I just want to it. say
0: that first and foremost, you know, you have this amazing backstory. And like we chatted about in the first uh, few seconds here, we don't want to get into all the things that are out there already. Already, There's certainly a lot of information uh, for everyone to read up on you about. Uh, but obviously, the world of uh, making cigars is is an art and uh, of itself is very creative. So we just want to hear a bit about your uh, insights in just give you the floor here a bit about telling us what Tatoate is in general and what it is to you.
2: Yeah. I mean, Tatoate uh, as a, as a whole, I mean, again, I, I had a dream. I've been in the cigar business now for 29 years. Um, but I never, never owned anything in the cigar business until 19 mm-hmm. years ago. And I always had that dream of, of having a brand with my name on it and guiding the way it was going to be made and guiding the, the, the flavor profile kind of like the way I used to write songs when I was younger with my bandmates. Mm. Uh, it was very similar. I wanted to be involved in the process. Of course, you know, it's a little different for a cigar brand owner compared to a cigar maker. Yeah. Um, I'm a cigar brand mm. owner. I call myself a cigar designer i i actually cut you know i i pick out the materials i make the patterns and i have professionals sew it up for yeah. me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, because i'm not going to sit at i'm not going to claim that i sit at a rolling <laughs> table i'm not going to claim that i i go into the farm and pick tobacco leaves there's yeah there's there's other people that do that and i thank them for doing it great because they give me the ability to play in a giant playground uh, instead of doing all the the hard work that they do. (laughs) Mm. Um, so what is Tatawai? I mean, that's, that's essentially it. We're, we're a, we're a fashion house. We, Mm. we are a, a brand, um, company that, that, uh, again, does everything that I just said. We, we go to the best factories in the world to find the best items to put our names on them. And, Mm. and we work closely with those factories to make sure we have the best product. Obviously with the Garcia's is a little different. I'm, I'm part of the family. So it's (laughs) a, it's a, it's a little bit more cohesive. I mean, it's always been that way though, because even since day one, I didn't, I didn't blend the first cigar. Pepin Garcia blended the first cigar for Tatuaje and he blended it to my palate. He knew, he sensed what I was looking for through a conversation. And within a moment, he instantly rolled, you know, a cigar that I thought was dead on to what I was looking for. Hmm. So, I mean, that was kind of like a roundabout way to get to your question. Yeah, but uh, (laughs) that's good. Yeah, we we we, uh, again, I never claim to be a cigar maker because I have Hmm. to thank great people who know how to make cigars. Hmm. I I just am well versed on the industry, well versed on tobacco, and understand what is good and what's not Mm -hmm. um i have this question you know or this debate with my friends a lot you know because they go into the and you might do this too but and i don't you know throw any shade at it a lot of people go into the whole like oh i get these notes and these notes and these notes Mm
3: -hmm, mm -hmm, mm
2: -hmm. i used to do that with wine a lot oh yeah and me and my friend dan who works with me for surrogates uh cigars we used to do that a lot we used to sit in a room and you know, swirl glasses of wine and smell it and go, okay, yeah, we're getting this, this, Mm -hmm. this. And, you know, the older you get, you just realize it better be good or it's not good. Mm. So we're very, we have a very simple approach, or at least I do. If I taste something remotely bad in a cigar, I pitch Mm. it and I move on to the next. Um, If we're sampling something in the factory, that's new that we put together, Mm -hmm. If I taste it and there's something wrong with it, I go straight back to the chief of production. I tell them, Mm. okay, there's, there's a viso in here that's causing a problem Mm. or there's a Lajero that's causing a problem or one of the binders that are causing the problem. So we're very uh, direct and to the point we, we don't, we don't sit down and go, okay, we're getting these chocolate notes and we're getting these vanilla notes and we're getting these pepper notes because we want to make sure we have all those because we think the consumers are going to love it. Mm -hmm. At the end of the day, these cigars have to be made for us first Mm, because if we don't, if we don't love them, then we can't, we can't rightfully sell them to anybody. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So that's our biggest philosophy.
1: Yeah, no, I love that. And I love the quote that I, I used, I heard in one of the interviews with that, you know, if you're, if you're making a cigar that everyone's going to love or that everyone's going to like, you're ne- never going to make a cigar that someone's going to love. And like, that's really, sounds like that yeah. kind of philosophy and uh, very binary scale. You know, it's good or bad and it's a uh, perfectionism. Like that. <laughs> there's a,
2: there's, there's, you know, you have to have a comfort zone. You have to have a comfort zone, but there are flaws in cigars that you will instantly pick out. And, mm-hmm. and that's just not acceptable. Mm. So you have to find a way to fix those flaws, and luckily, with the Garcia family and all the tobacco that they have to work with, um, it's easy to correct those flaws and and take that other tobacco and trash it. Mm.
1: So I wanted to I wanted to ask about uh, about something that I've been dying to know a little bit because. Ruben and I, we live in Sweden, obviously, so we have a good selection of cigars from the whole world uh, yes. and easily attainable Cuban cigars uh, compared to some people in the States. Uh, but like what really struck me when I was really digging into you is that you're very you're very verbal about your sort of love for Cuba and Cuban cigars and all that stuff, which I, to be honest, I don't really see in a lot of other cigar makers. I think maybe I feel like some people hold that back publicly a little bit because they're making non-Cubans. Um, but I just wanted to, you know, know a little bit more about your relationship with Cuba. Obviously you are in a family like you say of Cubans. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but also like that impact of Cuba on you and your journey uh, starting up with with cigars.
2: Yeah, I mean, for me Cuba's always been the wheel. You know, mm-hmm. that's where it all started. So you can't ignore you can't like some people say, you know, you, like some car makers cannot ignore Ford. All right. As much as, you know, Ford mm-hmm. might put out some crappy cars here and there they can't ignore you know the history of Ford the impact yeah. um I mean there were other cars around before him I'm sure but uh you know that was a big breaking point for car making when it came to cigars it's always been Cuba mm-hmm. and of course nowadays like I don't I smoke Cuban cigars I prefer to smoke um Cuban cigars that are made at home by customer owners mm-hmm. uh, yeah. because I feel like I'm I feel like there's some support going back to those people directly. Um, I, because of my family that I am part of, and because of what I've learned, you know, in the history of, of the Island and, and what's happened over there, I refuse to buy a, a production cigar from Cuba.
1: Right. Okay. Mm-hmm.
2: People give them to me all the time and I'll smoke them with the band off and I'll give my opinion. But uh, I won't seek out a box of production okay. cigars anymore. I used to be all over it. You know, mm. the, there was, mm. you know, Cuba being a mystical place for a guy, you know, in the United States yeah. because technically it's the forbidden fruit that we can't mm-hmm. have, right? Yeah, yeah. Even though we all got it, it was still <laughs> that one thing that was like, oh my God, we have illegal stuff, you know? So yeah, that you made me were part even of cooler. that a
1: little bit too, right? Of, uh, yeah. Um, that...
2: uh... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that made it that made it even cooler because like we couldn't have it, or we weren't supposed to have it, uh, yep. you weren't allowed to bring it across borders, you know stuff like that. <laughs> um, so we, I think that's really what hit home for a lot of us is like, okay, we we can't have it, so it makes it even better. Hmm. I will tell you that smoking Cuban cigars in the late '80s and early '90s, though, were like heaven compared to what they are now. Yeah, I've heard that. Um, I don't get that reminiscent quality to those days unless mm. I'm smoking a custom roll from one of the rollers. Very interesting. That's the only time I get that flavor profile. And I'm, I'm searching for it. Trust me. Like every time someone gives me one, I smoke it and I'm hoping it tastes like a cigar from 1992. <laughs> mm. So it, it doesn't happen all the time. Every once in a while, I'm like, okay, they're doing things better. And it's it's nice to see because again you can't you can't ignore the history of it, yeah. but uh, I uh, it's it's a battle for me because I I obviously I love the the history of the cigars I want to make something like a new version of Cuba mm. uh, for the market um, I want to come as close to it as possible without you know, putting a H Upman band or a Monte Cristo band, or, <laughs> right. you know, like yeah. actually using their trademarks. Yeah. And yeah, yeah. luckily I, I've been able to buy um, over the years, not buy, but acquire um, multiple old Cuban brand names that, that went defunct. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. You know, be, when Castro really took old. over, yeah, yeah. Yeah. these brands were kind of already off the market. So mm-hmm. I was able to pick up a lot of those, um, I went down the rabbit hole pretty heavy early on with uh, Cuban trademarks mm. and I just started I just started registering everything <laughs> I saw that looked cool yeah, really? to awesome. yeah. yeah Wow. <laughs> no, I and love luckily, that too. luckily I found uh, I found a lot of brands that had artwork that I had access to.
3: Mm. So I was yeah, able yeah, yeah. to
2: find my friend Albert Montserrat who owns a place called Cigar rings, um, which they manufacture bands. Mm-hmm. Uh, and paper products for for cigars. He uh, he has a huge collection of small factory um, bands and paper products from Cuba. Cool. So cool. you go through his books and you can find all those brand names. It it actually came up in a conversation early on when I started working with him because I sent them a a trademark. I said, "Hey, well, not a trademark, but a band." I said, mm. "I need." I need any paperwork, you know, information that you have on a brand called La Riqueza. Uh, it means the oh, wealth okay. or the riches. Right. And, mm-hmm. and his assistant got back to me and said, Pete, that's a, that's a trademark name. I don't think we can produce it. I go, no, I own the trademark. <laughs>
3: yeah. So, Excellent.
2: So they're like, Oh shit, since you own it. Yeah. Here's all the bands. And they sent me like seven or eight bands and uh, Vistas from the boxes so it was actually wow. really easy to uh, utilize those products and uh, come up with something cool that was reminiscent to old Cuba. Wow.
1: Yeah. You can really see it in some of those bands. Go ahead. Lonnie. Yeah. No, I saw you wanted to have something. <laughs> I'm not going to
0: cut you off. No, here. no, no, absolutely. <laughs> um, yeah. Cause like you can see quite a lot around on the internet as uh being described as Cuban-esque and, uh, thank you for that answer. But, um, like have, have there any be have there been any uh, ideas of blends that you've um, that have might never come to fruition really that you really wanted to that you wished that you could have could have done
2: yeah the, the, the I've said this a lot in interviews but the luxury that we have as cigar you know brand owners or makers whatever if we if we can't settle on a blend we just don't make it mm-hmm we move oh, on to the next one right okay brand names i've utilized all the brand names that i've wanted to use pretty much yeah. but uh, when it came to the cigars there's only been a few times where i've i've looked at it and said yeah i'm i'm not 100% on this okay so i just skipped it, it there was just like an addition to a project that i was already doing mm. and i just couldn't come up with the blend that i was super in love with and Again, I have that luxury of just saying, yeah, eh, I won't yeah. do it. Yeah. So it's easy to skip. I say.
1: I love the fact that I love the fact that the answer isn't, oh, because I didn't think it would do well on the market or something like that, you know? Mm. Like you really are just making what you want. That's 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 awesome. No, uh,
2: that's 100% the 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 truth is that we make it for us. Yeah. Uh, I mean, the it's always a joke. It's like these cigars are made for us. The bonus is when actually other people like it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Mm. <laughs> Um, and that's the dead honest truth because you, you can't go into anything that you're doing thinking I'm going to make something for a market because if no one wants it, then you're stuck with it. Yeah. So you better love mm-hmm. it, right? <laughs> no, you that's good. Yeah, it.
1: yeah worst case scenario, you just have tons of cigars that <laughs> you, you get to smoke if none of them sell. So that's good. Uh, I wanted to touch on uh, a little thing that we sort of discussed before uh, beginning the recording here. I mean, you're, you have this love of wine and we mentioned or we talked a little bit about how there are a lot of similarities. Right. Uh, yeah. But you with the La Verité series, the, the Truth series, you wanted to bring something that's not really done that much in cigars, but that is done all the time in wine, pretty much. Right. Like the whole yeah. using one single vintage from uh, one plantation what what are the pros what are the cons of that and like just just it's, why is it it's a lot more, of work more common, <laughs> you know yeah okay.
2: but well so you remember that cigar that I was talking about where I wasn't I couldn't settle on the blend yeah, yeah. that was that was laverte okay uh, uh Verite, uh 2010 mm-hmm. i had samples made i brought them up to my friends uh, we sat down we smoked them and they all seemed to like them and they even said this will do really well, mm. <laughs> and I—I I just <laughs> there was something wrong with it for me, and I just couldn't put my finger on it. I just never made it. So 2010 was completely scrapped. Mm. Uh, all the bands from the 2010 vintage I had to basically throw away because I—damn. I mean, they are still in inventory down in Nicaragua, but I—I'm not using them for anything unless I come up with just some. aging. Huh? You Have know, you tried them some again? Celebration. Um, maybe they've aged to profession. <laughs> no, yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, a lot of them, you know, just need a lot of time. But there was something I want to taste it early on too. You know mm. what I mean? Like you have mm-hmm. to be able to, to taste the product and see its future. If you can't okay. taste it when you take it off the bench, then then you have an uphill battle because mm-hmm. now mm-hmm. you're you're questioning. Okay, maybe we'll be ready in five years.
3: <laughs> yeah, and.
2: It's funny because I, I've always kept samples of, of those projects. I don't know if I have, I'm sure I do, but I haven't looked to see if I have any samples of the 2010 anywhere. Okay. Cause it was very small. Uh, it was a All very right. small batch. Um, 2018 was similar. Uh, I was going to put together La Verite and I realized I didn't want to do it from the, 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 main farm which is Estrella, which is the garcia's first farm because they only they only planted one crop uh one tobacco seed on that that farm and i wanted a little bit more expression so i decided to move to a different farm that had more seed varietals on it and i ended up producing probably the mildest cigar i've ever smoked oh wow it was perfectly fine but i i don't think it had much going on so Mm. i kind of put that to the side too um that was i'll be honest that was on our first attempt and i really haven't revisited it because Mm. the cigar ended up smoking great it was just like wow like this is too easy like way (laughs) too easy yeah so i you know time time starts to pass and you start to forget about things too and and i just kind of put it to the side and never went back to it so Mm there's still a chance because we still have some of that tobacco laying mm-hmm. around, but um, we'll see.
3: Hmm.
0: Yeah, absolutely. This is, uh, I just wanted to completely change uh, lines now because I wanted to ask something that has shown up a bit in your interviews, just about your Opus X tattoo. Uh, and I was wondering, because I didn't get really an answer anywhere uh, <laughs> apart from like, why do you have that tattoo? Cause I don't, I haven't found out like the connection you know, between you and Fuente really.
2: Well, I, everybody knows that I'm, you know, I have sleeves. Yeah. And uh, I'll tell you when I was uh, first in the cigar business and this goes back to 93 and 94, I met Carlito Fuente at a cigar store. Oh. And he happened in Los Angeles, California. And he happened to be, I was working already in the industry he happened to be one of the nicest people ever. Like he sat down, took time to talk to me. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah. He seems great.
2: And I became, I became a fan of the family and the product. And I was buying a lot of their product and Fuente was just becoming super hot, like in the early nineties. Um, so they started becoming this thing and I was with them when they launched the, the, uh, Grand Havana Room. They came to the Grand Havana Room in Beverly Hills right. when that opened up in 1995. Right. They brought Opus X with them, with the which is the best part about this. They had Opus X with Don Carlos bands because the Opus X bands oh, weren't ready yet. Right. Oh my God. <laughs> so because the Opus X bands weren't ready yet, they had them over at the at the Grand Havana Room as the cigar they were passing out. And I became friendly with uh, Cynthia and the old man mm-hmm. and and Carlito, and uh, Cynthia's husband at the time, um, just just good people. Like, they they kind of brought me in like I was, uh, you know, a nephew mm-hmm. type of thing. Mm-hmm. And they I think they saw my enthusiasm for the industry, and mm-hmm. they kind of took to it. And I w- eventually went down to the Dominican Republic um, with them. Actually, so that's in 95 – with the Grand Havana room, I was going to the Big Smoke in Boston. And of course, for my love of cigars, I decided I'm going to get the Opus X tattoo on my arm.
1: <laughs> Damn.
2: And it was in a place that was kind of like right back yeah. here. So okay, it's not completely perfectly visible, but this was like, just as a thank you and like a homage to a family that I thought that really changed the cigar mm. industry for me. Mm. And I thought the Opus X symbol, just the, the X was, was just really cool looking. I agree. Um, So I walked into the big smoke in Boston uh, and I told Wayne, who was uh, Cynthia's husband at the time, said, Wayne, I I have a problem with my arm and I lifted (laughs) up my shirt and and everybody like, I remember the Newman family was there. Ernesto Correa was there. Like anybody you can think of was in the room. And yeah. they all started asking me if I would tattoo their brand <laughs> on my arms, also
1: living billboard. Yeah,
2: and and I of course it, the joke went on for a while, and I said no, but uh, it was just really a kind of homage to a family that, to thank them for being so genuine and mm. nice to me growing up. Because when you're new in the cigar industry, you're hoping that you get acceptance, mm-hmm. and that's why I always tell people like. It, if someone walks into a store that you're working behind the counter and, and they, and that person is new and asks a dumb question, don't laugh. You're right. Yeah. yeah. Take them in the humidor and educate them and guide them through the process because he'll come back.
0: Exactly. Mm-hmm.
2: If you laugh at the question and just, you know, telling me stupid for asking that question, then, then they're, they're probably going to, you know, turn away from the industry and, yeah. and not want to be part of it not want to be part of the culture. Yeah, definitely. So, yeah, Fuentes, that was the biggest reason. And they've always been um, friendly to me, even since I started my brand. Um, they were very welcoming to uh, to uh, my new family, the mm-hmm. Garcia family, mm-hmm. when they came into the market. So, you know, it, and Carlito, of course, is really big about family and tradition, and that's where we sit. So it was just part of a uh, you know thank you yeah. that's what
0: it was yeah and uh, there's no doubt that uh yeah that the fuentes are an inspiration to to a lot of people and yeah. uh, we did a deep dive into them and it was just going through their history and everything it's so cool just uh having their presence being so big in the cigar industry yeah. as well with such deep yeah great um, yeah. great history
2: yeah, great
1: yeah. history, actually. Yeah, yeah. No, we did a like a an audio documentary on the podcast about them because it was just such a cool mm-hmm. story. And I don't think a lot of like younger cigar smokers might know the whole story because uh, we didn't really, to be honest, before. Uh, well, so. I mean, they
2: know Carlito because you see yeah, Carlito yeah. everywhere. If you're a yeah, cigar yeah, yeah. smoker, you you know Carlito's image. I I think the old man, uh, senior for me, was still one of those guys, you know, that I would get nervous around, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah. because. You know, there's there's some com- there's some iconic people in our industry. I'm very fortunate. I, I my my father-in-law is an, icon, is an icon in this industry. Yeah. Mm. I, I don't get nervous around my father-in-law. He's <laughs> very easy to talk to. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> but but we grew up together in this side of the business. I mean, obviously, they came in from Cuba shortly before I met them, mm-hmm. and we worked together since since 2003. So their anniversary for their company is the same same date that i started yeah. because tatuai was the first cigar they ever exactly. rolled for production
0: that's very cool even before mm.
2: their own so it's easy to to hang out with him but you know when you'd walk in a room and you see orlando padron Jose orlando or or uh, carlos senior you, you kind of get a little nervous yeah. even trust me even at 50 yeah. years old <laughs> i mean unfortunately they passed away when i was more like 45 but yeah yeah but um, yeah, I mean, because they're they you gotta respect the elders. Yeah. You gotta respect yeah. where it all came from. There's a, you know Julio Rowe is another guy that that I always uh, love uh, just sitting down with and and shooting the shit. I mean, there's been there's been a lot of guys that have left us that uh, I was very fortunate to talk to before they left, and uh, you can't get those moments back. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So. For me it's always been about respecting tradition and that's why I go back to the Cuban culture and the Cuban history of cigars.
1: Yeah, I was going to I was going to ask another follow up because I I I also I'm kind of like uh, obsessed with like the history and I I I've always been a lover of history before I got into the cigars but I I love deep diving deep into the the history. I've done like mini documentaries on our YouTube mm-hmm. on like old dead uh, Cuban cigar brands that have been dead for a long time. Uh, And I'm also like, yeah, just kind of nuts about that stuff. But I wanted to ask another thing about the whole Cuban, the art and that kind of stuff. Because before I really knew about the whole trademark situation and all that stuff, I remember seeing Tatuajes when I was like maybe 18 or something before I really knew about cigars. And I was so confused. How old are you now? 23. Oh, shit. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, like before I really knew anything, I was kind of confused uh, like the Cojonu band is like the Limitada band and like the Verocu band is like the regional. Is yeah. that, are you, is the intention to pay homage? Is the intention to kind of say a little bit F you to the Cuban? It's
2: it's a little bit of both. <laughs> yeah. It's a little bit of both. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm a very simple uh, packaging person. I don't, I don't go really you know, crazy with the, yeah, I love the unvarnished with boxes and that With system. the way everything looks because I, I want the cigar to speak first. Mm-hmm. The band is the, is, you know, a way to dress it up, but I don't want the band to tell people how good or bad it's going to be. You yeah, know, right. you yeah. like a lot of times people smoke just for the band. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, I, the I, bands, think, yeah. I mean, this is the most, this is the most elaborate band that we've done, ah, which La is Mission. the La Mission. Yes. Oh, yeah.
1: That's, that's beautiful.
2: Um, that's, we just decided we wanted something a little bit more you know beautiful and and regal looking and and it ended up being great for the cigar because the cigar turned out amazing so we're oh yeah it (laughs) works out perfect but when it comes to tatua it's always been very simple banding um yeah i would say like i was just looking for a band um to use for Kohonu and that was sitting in front of me. I'm like, I'll just use a similar band. Yeah,
3: so not. it could have been kind of lazy.
2: <laughs> it, was, it was, I would say it's purely lazy, but, uh, <laughs> okay. but the first and foremost, lazy for sure. But uh, because I didn't really care about the packaging, I cared about the product.
3: Yeah. Okay. That's and
2: good, that was the first, and then, and, and the problem is when you do it once, <laughs> I have always, this is my biggest pet peeve in the industry. I've seen so many brands come into the market and they've changed their packaging like six, seven, eight times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it starts confusing people and then, you know, it, it's like, okay, the, the one with the new band on it doesn't taste as good as the, the old one. I yeah. I made that commitment since day one. If I'm going to start with someone, I'm, with something, I'm going to end with it. So those bands are, are with me for yeah. life um, because I started with them, and I didn't want to confuse people by by taking them that off. That makes sense. <laughs> if I ch- if I change those bands in any way, people would recognize and go, something's different, something's wrong with it. And and honestly, nowadays there's a ton of companies in the United States, uh, U.S. you know marketed brands that use those same brand, those same bands.
3: Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah.
2: I just might have been the first guy to to take a bite. Out of Cuba, um, but now, like, there's there's yeah, dozens of people that use the same band.
0: Yeah, mm-hmm. and you showed us that uh, La Mission uh, from uh, from your more experimental arm, uh, L'Atelier, and um,
2: yeah. Well, now it's all part of Talk It's all there's integrated. No, there's no separation. Yeah, but when yeah. it start, it
0: was started in 2012, right? Or around that. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I want to ask, how does the process of that experimental Arm that it was before. How does how did that process like differ from uh, from the more regular production lines?
2: Well, so we always like with with uh, atelier. It started because Pepin had showed me a particular tobacco seed varietal down in Nicaragua mm-hmm. one day, and it had a certain like color to it that just looked reminiscent of cohiba, and okay. and I was like. I don't want to, I don't have enough room to put more stuff under top of why. Okay. Yeah. Okay. But yeah, I, I knew, I knew I wanted to bring in a few people that I trusted to the business. And I was already working with a buddy of mine named uh, Sean Casper Johnson. Well, he goes by Casper, but Sean Johnson, no relation. I was working with him on a club that we have called Saints and Sinners and then i was making a cigar for dan welsh uh, who owns a a online store called new havana cigars uh, i was making him a couple surrogates. and then i wanted to bring my brother into the business because he had visited a couple trade shows and he was working an okay job in, in maine but uh, i figured you know he would be into he was good at sales because he when he was younger he used to work for sales for adidas so i knew oh, he nice. could he could be in the sales game so I brought the four of us together and I think Dan said it perfectly where he said, you know, Tatawahe and everything you do under the Tatawahe portfolio is your solo act. And this mm. is the band. Oh, you know, cool. <laughs> so, so instead of going into a room by myself and playing mad scientist where I would come out and say, okay, this is going to be the cigar. Mm. We would sit down as a group and go through the blends, and go through the process, and go through the samples, and finalize everything together. So it was truly writing a song as a band instead of a solo career. Yeah. But uh, it was a, you know, Sean actually eventually left to go work for Universal Music, because that's what he's been doing all of his life. He's always been in the music Mm -hmm. game. He he was a tour manager for like the Jonas Brothers and stuff like that at one time. Yeah, so that's where the connection with the Jonas Brothers comes with us. Um, but uh, he, uh, he he's now working for Universal Music. and uh, when he left, I forget it was about time that we rolled Atelier into Tatawaii. And I still rely on Dan and, and my brother Casey to uh, to kind of get focus of the Atelier products and a lot more working with them on the Tatawahe products too even though I still have that process of like, okay, I, I get the samples first. I smoke them first. And then if I, if they're lucky, I'll share them with them because a lot of times I'll smoke all of them before they get to them. (laughs) Good. Yeah. So it's, it's a, it's a great group of people to work with because Mm -hmm. you can, Dan and I have very similar palates. I mean, we're very Mm -hmm. in tune with, uh, even though he smokes a lot more every day, (laughs) <laughs> We're kind of in tune with each other when it comes to what we like and what we don't like. Mm.
1: Okay, I wanted to a little bit in in line with what you like, and a little bit in line with that experimental thing. Um, there's a lot of trends, obviously, in terms of like packaging and all that stuff that we discussed. But there's, I think, I I, I get the sense that there's also a lot of trends in terms of what's hot in terms of like tobacco, like kinetic, like the broadleaf thing had a had kind of a big big. Deal explosion for a while. I feel like. Yeah. Um, what do you think is is hot right now? What do you think might get hot? And what do you like? Is there anything that you like that people might not really know that much about in terms of like tobaccos? I wanted to ask some nerdier <laughs> questions as well. <laughs> well,
2: I mean, it's it's for for me. I've always shifted in production because of necessity. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of times where we've shifted while other people were still concentrating on certain leaves. We had to shift because. We were running out of broadleaf at one time hmm. and i needed something else to to uh to do that i wasn't going to use broadleaf on so i shifted to san andreas and that became yeah. really hot really for hot, a while yeah. and then i switched to sumatra for another project and that became hmm. really hot for a while hmm. and but there was a there was a time where i was actually about to release a whole sumatra line very much like my broadleaf line and at the time, our supplier for Sumatra, which is out of uh, out of Ecuador, the Oliva Tobacco family, Gustavo, who works with uh, with them, he's like, what are you going to do with the, what's your next product? I said, I'm going to do a, a Sumatra release, a big one. And this is years ago. And he, he straight up told me, he goes, don't do it. Oh, wow. And I go, why? He goes, we're having trouble with the Sumatra. It kind of mutated itself. And oh, it's wow. not, it's not tasting like you know traditional sumatra Damn. so i was able to get some samples that we tried and i'm like wow it, it's not even close to what sumatra Damn. is about <laughs> it almost tasted like habano in a sense mm. and uh, i was with another cigar manufacturer a very well respected uh, manufacturer in the industry and i i said to him i said have you tried that sumatra from Bolivia?" he goes yeah it's not good <laughs> I go, I know, like, what the <laughs> hell? Like, it doesn't taste like that. So I had to steer away from that. Right now, people are complaining about Broadleaf. We're we're in a very secure spot with Broadleaf. Um, mm. So you won't see us shifting away from Broadleaf right now. We're act- That's good. we're going to be actually moving forward with a lot more Broadleaf. Mm-hmm.
1: That's great so, news. Some of yeah. our followers have been saying more Broadleaf, more Broadleaf. <laughs> uh, just about Tatoache when we told them when you were coming on so that's uh, that's good news to some i think
2: <laughs> yeah so i mean you'll see more broadleaf coming up in the you know the next few years uh we obviously have some big releases for 2023 in our 20th anniversary
3: mm, oof,
2: right uh, which will include broadleaf nice. but uh trends for me i love uh corojo shade grown absolutely oh, really and I've I've had it in the past. Obviously, I've used it in the past. Um, when we first started, that's what we were using, crohoche grown. But okay. we started getting we started getting poorer and poorer quality of it. So we had to move to something else. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then we moved to another another supplier of that leaf. And then we started getting less and less quality of that. So we moved oh, to Havano, Ecuador. So in around 2006, we started shifting everything to Habano Ecuador mm-hmm. from Oliva. And this is when Habano Ecuador, no one was really touching it. Like no mm-hmm. one really wanted it. But Pepina tried it. Jaime had tried it. They actually came to me and says, we need you. We, we're not getting enough leaf from these other suppliers. We need you to shift to to Habano Ecuador. And the rule for me was wrap every one of my cigars in that new wrapper so I can taste them all. Okay. and i'll let you know and and at the time we had a very small portfolio so it was a lot easier mm-hmm. okay yeah. but anything that had the corojo on it before i needed to taste it with the habano okay. mm. and i fell in love with it I, I was like and not only did it taste equally as good but it also burned really great mm. the burn rate was beautiful on the old corojo we were using back in the early days it was like asbestos, man. It wouldn't burn. Really. <laughs> I mean, it tasted great, it smelled great, but you couldn't get it to burn. So, it was yeah. one of those things where we eventually had to uh we had to switch and I was very vocal about it early on making sure that people knew that I had switched to habano because I didn't That's want awesome. people thinking that it was still corojo. Mm. Um so it's it's always the corojo thing has always been stuck in the back of my head. The Garcia started growing it multiple years ago and I started falling in love with it all over again. There's Mm -hmm. something about it that's, you know, it's got an inherent sweetness to it. It's kind of got a gamey quality to Mm -hmm. it too. So Mm -hmm. it's got that, you know, those notes that you want to chew on and the aroma kind of sticks to you. So I, uh, I, I I love it. And, uh, and every crop uh, the Garcia's keep on growing, it, it gets better and better. And so we're, we're able to make a hundred percent Garcia grown tobacco cigars, which we love because that's we have good. full control over it. Of course. And um, you'll see, a, you'll see a project coming out uh, later this year called Veracru blue. So it's the Veracu mm. line, mm-hmm. but with uh, kind of like a Rosado, Rosado uh, shade Colorado mm-hmm. color to it mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, with that Corojo. Oof. Very that's happy. About awesome. That. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah.
0: And uh, I mean, just this year as well you got uh you were on the cigar auto top 25 and have been so consistently
2: uh yeah i don't think Thank that's you. escaped anyone but what we've been fortunate we 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 actually missed one year uh 2016 we did not make mm-hmm. it uh right. unfortunately instagram yeah on that. yeah um but uh we've been able to get on there and i think that the, the proofs in the product, uh, there's you see a lot of repeats,
3: mm-hmm. which
2: is awesome. That's good. Um, so I, I it the repeats actually help because it shows consistency, exactly. yeah. That's almost over impressive. the years. Um, but I I love uh that list is still the most important list in our industry. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I wouldn't say that in the wine industry, like in the wine industry, you have Parker and you have Suckling and you mm-hmm. have you have uh, wine spectator and a few others uh, Mm -hmm. and they kind of compete with each other on who's got the more, you know, reputable list and the most Mm -hmm. popular one, the one that people follow. Yeah. yeah. When it comes to cigars, you know, there's a lot of lists out there, but the one that people really follow is aficionado. Yeah,
0: exactly. And that was actually one of the uh, follower questions that we'll get to later. But since you mentioned it, or since I brought it up now, um, what, and you answered like how you assess the rankings, but can you just say like a few words while we're on the subject now about the Tatuaje Reserva K222?
2: Yeah, the uh, the blend, it's actually made in Miami um, because we have two different versions. We have a broadly version, which is made in Nicaragua, mm-hmm. but it will say broadly from the bottom of the Reserva band. Nice. This particular one was made in Miami. It's only made by one roller. Uh, we don't make a lot of them. Uh, The cigar was made uh, in kind of like celebration of my dog's Mm -hmm. life. Mm -hmm. He had passed. Um, The reason why it's called K222, his name was Kona, and Mm -hmm. he actually died at 2.22 p.m. Mm -hmm. Oh, wow. So the number 222, though, comes up everywhere for me. Like, it Mm -hmm. kind of haunts me. yeah. (laughs) Um, Like, in the same day that it was on the Top 25, when it got revealed, Mm-hmm. um three things happened that day where two 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 showed up that's not and like weird little things here and there like i i'm actually looking at a property for to potentially do kind of like a home office mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and i decided to go down the rabbit hole last night and look at the public records of the property and mm-hmm. the original the original uh sales certificate of the property in 1978. Uh, the recording document number is ten two two two. Yeah, that's nuts. <laughs> um, my my wife's uh, you know one of her new credit cards the C CVV code was two two two, and she <laughs> actually pulled out that card the same day that it was on top twenty five. Oh, it's not- <laughs> I mean it's, it's yeah, just yeah. it's weird shit. Like uh, I picked up my phone to text my brother. And Dan, the other day, after Tom Brady got sacked, <laughs> and I realized it, I, I realized that he got sacked at two twenty-two. Oh, so, wow. <laughs> these it's, calls that it's little uh,
1: reminders—that's that nuts.
2: Just, yeah, wow. It's it's everywhere for mm-hmm. me. Like it truly is everywhere for me because it it's just so random, and uh, and you don't know why it happens. And I guess you, maybe mm. you look for it more. Yeah, I guess so. But so it's that. it's purely mm-hmm. random. So back to the cigar, though. <laughs> <laughs> the cigar is actually a blend in between the Kohonu 03 and the J twenty one that are both made in Miami also. Okay. Hmm. So I I didn't want it as strong as the Kohonu, but not as light as the J twenty one, even though they're super close anyways. I wanted it right in between. Wow. Uh, precision. And it's the size, of course, is a you know, the historic size. It's you know, Sig Six size. Five and seven eighths by fifty-two.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Nice, nice. Uh, okay, so uh, another kind of, uh, I guess, specific question, but I just wanted to uh, just to hear your thoughts a little bit on, on a specific thing, um, yeah. like like rolling techniques and uh, like triple capping and all that stuff. Because like, uh, do you have any preferences? Like, do you prefer? I move it on a, little a bit. It <laughs> <laughs> chasing yeah. There's no like worries. this, there's
2: like this glare coming on me. Oh, that's a be- uh, beautiful background. I, I yeah. prefer. Entubar, uh, yeah, Entubado. That's uh, that's my the the preferred method in the factory. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, triple capping obviously is the preferred method in the factory. Mm-hmm. The uh, the Garcias since day one on every cigar that we make has always been with two binders. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So uh, this was kind of a thing that Pepin kind of perfected in Cuba, where the way he positioned the two binders. It's not just about mm. putting one binder on Absolutely. and rolling yeah, another yeah. one. Mm. It's about overlapping it's, yeah. them in a certain way. And um, he's been doing that forever. So mm. it's part of the tradition of the, you know, the factory. So no matter what the quality of the cigar, when I say quality, the no matter what the price point of the cigar, mm. uh, they all have double binders, right? which nice. is kind of nice because it, it, it adds to the, the structure of the cigar. Uh, the complexity, uh, the way uh, the burn rate, obviously, if if the wrapper pops off, you're never going to have a problem with the cigar exploding on mm. you, which mm. is nice. So it, it definitely, it definitely helps with a lot of different uh, things in the cigar, mm. but uh, yeah. I mean, I, I, again, I'm fortunate. I got to, I got to live my dream of wanting to have my own Cuban cigar. And I, I found what I believe is one of the best Cuban families in the world to make, oh, yeah. you know, me as close to as possible.
1: Yeah, no, and I w- I wanted to ask a sort of uh, related question uh, because obviously they they are just masters, right? The Garcia family are quite obviously masters, but there is like this great Opus X story I remember from when we when we researched them mm-hmm. a bit. Uh, that one tobacconist that visited. It looks like me. I'm at the yeah, beach now. now. it actually does yeah. look like a green screen. <laughs> Not jealous at all. Yeah, just uh, here in the, in dark Sweden. <laughs> it's uh, that that that's a beautiful beautiful background. Uh, but but there was a tobacconist that visited them and uh, basically like gave this like snarky comment to uh, Carlito Fuente that like, oh, you guys just assemble cigar a cigar. You don't yeah, make yeah. One. And then that kind of gave him the uh, the inspiration to to make the opus x series uh, to make that was so. a big
2: deal sorry i'm getting mm. my ashtray. <laughs> that was a big <laughs> deal for carlito and and honestly that that probably held true with the garcias because you know in the early days we we relied on getting tobacco from people and uh in 2007 they started growing their first crop on australia which ended up being the 08 uh crop mm-hmm. um that, that started changing everything in the family and in the factory. Like, mm. And then, that also changed Jaime's motivation to have more farms. Same with Papine, More farms. We need our tobacco because we can't rely on other people to get the tobacco. You know, at some time in anybody's business, someone's going to become jealous or vindictive of what you do. And Honestly, over the years I probably had jealousy towards new people coming in the industry too. Mm. It, it uh, honestly it's kind of stupid to do it, to have it, but it does motivate you to do better. Uh, so you you push yourself to to you know do more and more creative things and and push yourself to to advance what you do. The problem is if it's the flip side, the other side, those people that you're buying tobacco from start becoming you know like look at these guys they're they're doing really well let's let's not give them as much tobacco yeah and i'll honestly say that's what happened to us wow uh we started doing really well we started making a lot of noise uh Mm. people started questioning like how can they make such good cigars and some of the suppliers started like going "Eh, well we're out of that right now Mm. so it it now it's a necessity you need to start having your own mm. farms you need to start growing your own tobacco mm. and there's not a stitch of filler and binder that the garcias buy from anyone now everything yeah, yeah. everything that we buy the the family buys now is actually wrappers from trusted suppliers mm. and that's what they do for a living mm. and these are these people have been close with us for forever so We don't have to worry about them, you know, turning a, you know, a blind eye on us. Yeah,
0: that is a major part, uh, part of it when you when you think about it. Like it, it, in the end, it's a business as well, right? And uh, you have competitors and stuff. So, yeah, best Mm. getting your own crop. Um, But uh, when uh, also in like you're researching you and a lot, uh, looking around the web, you're seen as a very traditional. Uh, traditionalist type as well. I guess if you can say that, I don't know if you (laughs) agree yourself,
2: maybe, but. um,
3: But,
2: No, I love history. I grew up, um, you know, my parents loved, and they still do this. They love antiques
3: Mm -hmm. Mm.
2: and they grew up. uh, I grew up in the middle of paying attention to history and why history was so important to carry forward. Mm. Um, So following traditions on a lot of things, is very important for me. Even when I was playing around with wine in in France, I very, I followed a very simple path. I did turn tradition upside down a little bit with wine, Mm -hmm. but when it came to the processes, I let the people that knew how to do it, process it the right way. So I would end up with great juice to work with. Mm
3: -hmm. Excellent.
2: Um, But like I, I did this whole blend of wine where I literally took the region where it's from and I turned up, I turned the, the recipe upside down, oh, and yes, everybody's so like, "Yeah, I flipped the button completely. <laughs> and I went heavy Cab Franc, and like a lower percentage of Merlot instead of the region, which is Saint Emilion. It's high Merlot, oh, right. a little bit of Cab yeah. Franc. Mm. So I I just went like this. Yeah, mm. and actually, the, on the label it says turning uh, turning tradition upside down. <laughs>
0: yeah, so. <laughs>
2: I guess you can do that as well.
0: And um, maybe that plays into your monster series as well, because um, we wanted to know a bit, a bit about that, because there, there are these like super limited edition, crazy releases kind of sort of thing against the tradition. Uh, how do you feel about that series and that project?
2: You know, it's a, it's a fun fun series. Has obviously become like a thing for yeah. me. Um, it all started with a conversation between a buddy of mine. Uh, he was a big... Uh, he was actually a cigar store owner in, in Boston and he was a big sneakerhead. And he's mm. like, you should do something that's like limited edition, you know, every year, like a season, like a seasonal release.
3: Mm.
2: And he pulled out a pair of Nikes with Frankenstein <laughs> on them. I was like, Oh, monsters. <laughs> yeah. I go, that's an easy one. And within the, like within the first half hour that I, you know, popped that in my head, I was like, Oh, I have like the next eight years set up yeah. like, already. <laughs> crazy um because it it ended up being an easy theme but when i did the first year everybody that visited the factory was like and when i say everybody local people in SLE yeah, yeah would yeah. you know would visit the factory um people that we either were getting tobacco from or suppliers like box suppliers and stuff like that they're like he wants what like what's he doing <laughs> he's putting it in a costume <laughs> <laughs> um so yeah it was a little bit of a surprise it was a little bit of a surprise for the industry mm-hmm. it became my thing which is great um i probably would have been upset if someone had done it before mm-hmm. me mm-hmm. um but i it i no matter how awkward the boxes are uh the cigar has to come first and the cigars all are built off of the tradition mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. that's good yeah. Like, I don't do anything crazy with the blends. The blends are very, very classic and simple. Uh, I don't do anything like just completely nutso where people are like, no, oh, it's got yeah, 18, yeah. you know, 12 just different the, tobaccos. Just and, the presentation. You yeah, know, I get
1: that.
2: it's the really it, are
1: pretty sim- simple. Like they could be a lot more nuts if you wanted to go really out there, you know?
2: Well, it's always you, you want to, when it comes to monsters uh, in general, I've always tried to be very ambiguous because i do not want to get a um, a letter from any you know company that owns the rights to those monsters so that's why they've always been called frank and and (laughs) drac face yeah um some things are some things are old enough to where they're kind of public domain so yeah you know Mm -hmm. jekyll and hyde was easy the mummy you know stuff like that uh but uh yeah, it's a, you, you try to keep some type of ambiguity because you you don't want to be completely blatant. Yeah. Um, yeah, I I would say even moving forward, we're going to err even more on the side of caution, just because, just because I think uh, we've become kind of a target. So I want to make sure that uh, mm. we we lean towards yeah, more of yeah, the I safer see. side.
1: Okay, so. That's Because that, that, like Ruben said a little bit, it, it is a bit untraditional. And I think the market is heading more and more towards, I mean, it's 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 trending that way, at least from my point of view, that there's like the limited edition stuff is becoming more oh. and more popular. And like yeah. almost, almost the, the more obscure and small and like, it, yeah, unorthodox, the better. Like you, you see if you go through like Privada Cigar Club, for example, mm-hmm. like there's just a lot of crazy stuff on there.
2: Yeah, so like Yeah, sorry, go ahead No, so with with Grand Kohonu You know the Grand Kohonu we do It's a Mm 6.5 by 60 Mm -hmm. A buddy of mine asked me to do that And I told him no (laughs)
3: Yeah,
2: Like he was a retailer of mine A good friend of mine He asked me, he goes Make me a big fat like 60 ring gauge I go, nah (laughs) dude, that's not I go, you know, I follow the the Cuban playbook Mm -hmm. And that's not anything that Cuba's doing And a buddy of mine Brought me back a cigar from the island that was a five by 60 with a covered foot. And I went back to, uh, and this was in 2004 and I went back to Mm -hmm. the factory and we happen to have a mold in the factory of a 60 ring gauge, but it was six and a half by 60. Mm -hmm. I'm like, this is perfect because I have the Kohonu, which is six and a half by 52. I'll just do the grand Kohonu at six (laughs) and a half by 60, but it was only because someone gave me a custom roll from Cuba and I said, I said if they're gonna start doing 60s, I want to beat them to the right. punch. Good. <laughs> and now and they're I, doing it. I, are, are they actually releasing them though? The, I think they're still like you know custom rolls and stuff like that, right?
1: No, the are cohiba majestosos. I think that was the that was like the 55th anniversary or something. I think that was 58 ring gauge. Getting
2: 58, closer, 58, yeah. Yeah. but not quite 60. I guess. Yeah. Oh, they'll get there. Yeah, 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 yeah. They'll, they'll get for there sure. for sure. <laughs> and meanwhile, I'm going backwards. We're we're making more and more smaller. We star. like that. I yeah. love
0: that. I mean, we need that yeah, we like that, that, that side I mean, we, as well, right?
2: We we make probably more Lanceros or Leguito number ones than anybody in the industry. Yeah, good. Um, you know, Leguito number ones and number twos. That's kind of like our wheelhouse for a lot of projects. Mm. Um, we try to include them in every line mm. because we love them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and yeah. I think I think the the company has actually made people appreciate the size more mm. I, I think for us i think we're getting a little bit more calmer as we go on mm. and there is a lot of creativity and there's a lot of crazy things out there with with brands and limited editions but uh i think our limited editions moving forward are are going to be based off of a lot of things from our past
3: mm. okay
2: uh, so brands that we did or releases that we did as limited editions before we're expanding those to uh have a broader reach like the cohete. I don't know if you saw mm. the cohetes just mm. came back out. That's what I'm smoking uh-huh. now. It's a four mm. by fifty. Nice. Originally we did in Habano, then we did a small batch in Sumatra. And this this last week we re-released um uh, Habano Sumatra and Broadleaf in mm. those versions. Kind of like we did with the T one ten last year.
3: Mm, nice. So
2: you'll see more of that stuff coming up. I mean obviously we're still gonna have a monster themed cigar. Um, yeah, you got it. <laughs> it might not be it might not be blatant, but people will understand by based on the shape of the box.
3: So mm.
1: interesting. Yeah, you own October so that makes sense to keep uh, keep renewing <laughs> the lease
2: on that. <laughs> it's yeah, it's tough it's it's a tough one to give up for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um but at the same time like, you know, eventually I'm going to get tired of it and eventually someone's going to want to jump into that spot. Like with everything, no. yeah.
1: No, I like that you're going back to your roots in several ways. I keep making s- slimmer cigars, and t- even though it's not maybe economically viable, please export to Sweden. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> the uh, two uh, regular buyers in us.
2: <laughs> it's funny, man, it's because, uh, you know, Marevas and, like, Dahlias or, or Cervantes, those are my favorite sizes.
1: Yeah, the Lonsdale's style. For yeah, me,
2: like a Mareva classic, you know, you know, Monty 4 Petit size. Perona, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I love for me that's a gentleman's cigar and i smoke a ton of them yeah and a lot of They're times so rare smoke, in the States. I, I smoke a lot of them because of some of them i make personally just for myself to smoke. <laughs> <laughs> and that's i don't good. i don't release them but yeah. uh, i i love that stuff because again it's the tradition part and you, you kind of want to hold that that history a little bit mm. i think i think some of like we talked about some of the movement that, that the industry is going in right now. And I think it's some parts are getting a little too crazy. That's why I decided to kind of slow down a little bit, and, I like that. you know, stick with the monster thing because I have mm-hmm. to. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, I had an issue with, uh, with monster energy for a while because they thought they could own, <laughs> you know, the, the word, word monster and cigars. Really? So that's like, based on the trouble i had with that that's something i have to keep on pushing forward on because it uh, it made no sense to me and i want to kind of prove a point so mm.
0: yeah maybe this year's uh version should be called monster energy just to make it even more <laughs> <No>.
2: <laughs> i won't do that yeah. never yeah. never
1: <laughs> do you, uh, so we have uh, i mean obviously a lot of our followers were hyped when they saw we were gonna have you on do you have a couple minutes just to do a quick fire just like a few a few follower yeah. questions
2: Absolutely, a awesome. couple of
3: ones.
1: Uh, so I guess uh, we can start with a simple one. Uh, ben Stein is his username. He asked if the Escasos line will ret- ret- return st-
2: soon. Ben Stein, I love it. <laughs> <laughs> That's a character, by the way. Um, is it? Yeah, yeah. It, it, it was a. Um, it was a character. Um, shit, Ben Stein, um, who played that role? Anyways, doesn't matter. <laughs> <I>, the. Um, <laughs> It, you ever seen the movie Ferris Bueller? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, you remember the teacher? Bueller. Bueller. <laughs> he kept on repeating Ferris Bueller's name in class. He was yeah, like vaguely, looking for yeah. Ferris Bueller. Well, he's oh, the guy yeah, that played yeah, it. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Oh,
1: the actor is Ben Stein. Uh, oh, he's the... Okay, yeah, yeah. <laughs> gotcha, gotcha.
2: Uh, anyway, so what was the question (laughs) I got lost
1: Uh, will the Escasos line return soon
2: Ah. yeah Uh, so we have two different versions of Escasos Um, we have the luxury Escasos which are made in Miami also which are you know that was a super small production um, based off of you know kind of like the Cuban custom theme Mm. and Sorry, I'm lighting my cigar, and I don't want to burn my finger, no so worries. I'm looking down at my at my hand. <laughs> no, no worries. I can't see the flame because of the sun that's coming in. Mm. And, uh, the regular base Escaso's line is uh, going to show back up soon. We're just we're trying to produce uh, cigars in Miami now. Mm. The problem is, is shifting rollers here and there. Okay. To uh, concentrate on regular production. The Escasas has always been, it means scarce for a reason. <laughs> you can only make so many of them uh, because we don't have enough rollers here in Miami. So eventually, eventually they will come back because it's a line that I love making because I love mm-hmm. smoking them
3: mm-hmm.
2: um, because of that Corojo wrapper.
3: Mm.
2: So, yes, the answer is yes, eventually. Okay, good. Good.
0: I think Ben Stein will be. First Bueller's teacher will yeah, be, exactly. happy. We'll be happy with that. <laughs> Uh, yes, yeah, so the next one we have Richie who writes, uh, with a highly ranked U.S. brand, how are you handling larger demand and keeping quality?
2: Um, yeah, the actor's name Ben Stein, okay. by the way. <laughs> the <actor> <laughs> Settled. <laughs> Settled. Um, how are we handling it? We've been lucky. We've always been uh, very, very into slow growth. Um, we've obviously had hiccups over the years because growing pains in the factory.
3: Mm.
2: but uh but as far as a company goes we've always been into moving up slowly instead of like just oh we're gonna have this huge increase and then the next year we'll we'll go down a ton um, in 2021 we had a big increase but i thought we in 2021 we actually made some of our best cigars mm. so it didn't really mm-hmm. affect us if we could keep the level of what we did in 2021 uh, I think we're in a good spot That's I don't great. think we're going to end up having trouble with the growth and and again Jaime and Papine have made sure that we have a ton of tobacco to work with uh, their rollers you know have been working with them for a long time so they're getting better and better at mm. what they do uh, I don't foresee a problem but you, you never know i mm. i think i think we're in a we're in a good spot and we're moving in the right direction of that.
1: Yeah, and if you I guess if you stay with like making cigars that you yourself want to smoke, your quality will never go below that standard. Mm. So that that helps. Yeah, so we we
2: leave for Nicaragua on Sunday and uh the first thing we have waiting for us are a bunch of blends we put together um Oof. a couple of weeks ago to make sure we had them ready to smoke mm. uh, when we're down there. And I'll be honest, there's a lot of times where we'll sit down and we'll as soon as we light it up, we're like I don't have to look any further because mm. you kind of, you kind of understand when you start understanding blends and blending and tobaccos, you kind of, it's easy to go up and down from a base. And if you think about our base, our base is brown label.
3: Yeah, That's
2: always been our basis to everything, the beginning. which is a very traditional Seiko Viso Lajero. So it's easy to dissect it and, and find a different nuance of that or go up in strength mm. and find things like Fausto. Mm. So nice. we've been very fortunate. I mean, yeah, there's some cigars you taste, you're like, oh, that's bad. <laughs> mm-hmm. And you just have to go back and and let's try this, you know, Viso instead yeah. of that. Piece. Mm.
1: Interesting. All right, so just uh, two more. Uh, this one might not have a good answer. There might not be an answer for this one, but uh, Keegan <laughs> asks, uh, what what's a cigar from one of your quote-unquote competitors Uh, that you wish you could have part of the tatuaje brand like is there any cigars out there that you feel would fit in well
2: not really so much a a cigar part of of the brand but there there are a couple cigars outside that i that i'll enjoy here Mm -hmm. and there um i think there's a lot of great cigar makers right now and and uh honestly i don't think uh I don't think the consumers are being they're they're being treated really well right now. So you mm. see, like you can pick a lot of them. Mm. Um, but I always say that you know, like Dion Gialito from Illusioni, he makes a cigar yeah. called Epernate. Yeah. yeah, I love it too so much. And could I recreate Epernay? Probably close, but not exact because none of that's what I'm. That's why I'm so honest about like mm. what goes into a cigar because mm. I know that no one can really copy yeah, yeah. what what we do but I also know that I can't copy what Dion's doing. I think that's his masterpiece. Mm. And I think that's one of those cigars that uh, has really stood out over the last, you know, what is it? 15, 16 years that he's had it. Um, So yeah, uh, that's one, one cigar that I would put at the top of that list. Maybe not per se have it in my line, Mm -hmm. but something that I'll smoke if someone gave me one. (laughs) Yeah, not I the best answer. False. So good.
1: No, that's a good answer. Yeah, no, you it, heard it here first. Is. Bear hug, hostile takeover. <laughs> Tatuaje, or are uh, buying Ilusione. That's that's how. I'll, yeah, uh... I mean,
2: <laughs> I I I smoke a lot of other people's products, but uh, I, I think more than anything, I'll like smoke someone else's product and and I'll look at the name of the cigar and go, Wow, I wish I would have thought of that name uh-huh, first. yeah, <laughs> oh yeah, stuff yeah, like yeah. that so the name rather than the flavor but, I, yeah. <laughs> but I, I know that I can create my own version of Epernay it won't be Epernay exactly but if I wanted to I could probably similar, hmm, yeah, create something along those levels and be happy with my version mm-hmm. you know
0: yeah absolutely okay so we have the last follower question here from Tristan Drew uh, who writes I notice a slight sweetness with all Tatuaje cigars how do you achieve this? Is that
2: some secret? <laughs> no, there's no secret. Do you believe it to be um,
0: true yourself?
2: A slight sweetness. I think it's just balance.
3: Mm.
2: When, when you have perfect balance in a cigar, all those flavors come mm-hmm. out. You get that 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 sweetness. It depends it depends on what he's talking about. If he's talking about broadleaf, it has an inherent sweetness to it already. Yeah,
3: true.
2: Um, if you're talking about Corojo 99, similar Similar. Also, we use a lot of corojo fillers uh, in our blends. Um, I think it's really about balance more than anything. There's no, there's no secret sauce. We don't add pepper. You know, like, <laughs> yeah. you know. They, we we've had conversations with people who are like, oh, you guys got one of those guys in the back of the factory that dunks the tobacco in a <laughs> vat. And oh, we're oh, like, yeah, like, no, yeah. no, we don't yeah, We don't talk names. Um, we're like, <laughs> no. We're like, no, like, and, and the guy actually tried, he's like, for sure you have one. You just haven't seen it. I'm like, listen, man, like I've been in every, every square inch of that factory. Mm, I would see yeah. it. Like there's, there's no such thing. <laughs> That's yeah. be, yeah, and, yeah. and I believe that, and this is the best part about Jaime and Pepin and their employees. They, they treat tobacco very simply. Mm. They, they do very traditional steps in the way they process and they don't, Add anything to it, and when you let tobacco speak for itself, mm. it's going to be magical. To where you could even make the worst blend possible, and it will still <laughs> smoke good. Mm-hmm. Like you could be completely untraditional in the way you put the cigar together, and it will still taste good um, because the tobacco is processed properly mm. and complete. That's a that's a big key for I think for our success and the Garcia success. And all the clients that they make product for is the tobacco is processed the right mm. way.
3: Mm.
1: That's good. No, I love that. I love the no bullshit
2: uh, attitude. Uh, yeah, that's, be truthful, that's being always, honest, open. <laughs> that's always been one of my things. That, that that I I have a friend in the industry by the name of Jesus Fuego. Uh, he has a small brand still. Yeah, and. Jay
1: Fuego, yeah,
2: yeah. Yeah, we we've joked in the past like we're going to go on a no bullshit tour because. <laughs> You know, like I used to go, I used to go into humidors and, and don't do this because it's, it's not cool, (laughs) but I used to go into humidors and I would see a cigar that looked like it, it had like a coloring on the wrapper Oh yeah, and I would lick my finger and I would rub it on the wrapper. And if I came back with, if I came back with color, I call it the litmus test, right? (laughs) If I came back with, if I came back with color, then I know that someone's cheating and, I always, it always bugged me because I'm like, what? you don't have to do that. Yeah. And yeah. not every, not every dark cigar is always going to be the same darkness. You know,
3: mm-hmm.
2: not every cigar is going to be the same shade that you always wanted. In. Do we want consistency? Absolutely. But you have to, it goes back to the comfort zone of colors, even where you have to be in that range of color.
3: Mm.
2: Otherwise, you know, people, the consumers are going to be like, well it's it's a different cigar it's a lighter color so we yeah. if i start shifting towards another color it's a new it's a new line within top white mm-hmm. so that's kind of where escasos comes in because
3: mm.
2: we particularly took the regular brown label cigar in miami put a purposely put a different uh shade of that original wrapper mm. on that cigar so it's the same blend it's just a different color gradient okay oh. Oh. And it's a completely different cigar because the, the priming of the leaf will actually change the cigar drastically. Mm. So yeah. it's a nice experiment and a, a teaching tool when you give someone the same exact blend and you just picked the wrappers from two different parts of the plant. <laughs> wow.
1: That's fascinating. That's it. Wow.
2: Wow. God, I could
1: uh, could sit here literally all day, <laughs> but we gotta respect uh, the fact that I mean I, I can't believe you took this time even out of your day to be with us here. It's it's incredibly kind. Well, uh, I'll tell you, I'll tell you a, a secret. It's amazing.
2: <laughs> yeah. My my wife my wife said to me yesterday. She goes, When did you plan this? I go. <laughs> I told her a while a while ago. <laughs> she goes, You know we had a dental appointment today. I go. Oh I go, oh, I, I feel horrible. <laughs> I, didn't to, I didn't want to go to the <laughs> Okay, I feel no, but <laughs> I, I, I'll be honest, I don't have, I have a, a CRA meeting at 2.30, so I have a little bit of time.
1: Okay. Uh, so it's only one
2: sixteen here in Miami. Okay. Nice.
1: Uh, we can, uh, do you have anything else, <laughs> Um, I mean, not
0: specifically prepared, uh, like a question, I, I've... Um, Really appreciated all your answers to our questions here, and um, mm-hmm. yeah, I think I mean a lot of the a lot of the things about your background and stuff we've obviously looked into and heard your story. Is there what was how? Okay, one thing that I can ask if we go back to the really beginning, uh, you were in, very into like let's yeah, start <laughs> no, but just <laughs> since we have the time, <laughs> <laughs> um, just your first entry with uh, cigars, really, um. Like because you, you well
2: first entry was a consumer
0: yeah
1: yeah so how did
0: how did you yeah. go first from, entry was uh, a consumer from uh, from the consumer to because then you worked at the, the Grand Havana Room in Beverly, Beverly Hills am I right
2: yeah Grand Havana actually came later yeah okay uh, my first entry was at a place called Gus's Smoke Shop right yeah and this is this is the odd part of my life mm. I was a musician um I didn't have a job I got a part time job um as a as a i don't know assistant manager slash uh, floater slash security guard and i'm not a big guy there's other yeah. guys that do yeah. this but I, I worked i worked at a uh, a burlesque club. <laughs> okay interesting <laughs> and i was like the i worked the door a lot mm. so when people would walk through the door The cool thing about the job i could actually smoke cigars okay so i would sit at the door and i would i would smoke cigars and uh i was kind of frequently like freaking you know very frequently going to different stores around uh the town in in Sherman oaks california there was a place called cigar warehouse a place called Mm -hmm. gus's smoke shop that i kind of concentrated on and they were my two favorite stores that i would go to Mm -hmm. But I was kind of intimidated by one over the other. There's my wife. <laughs> <laughs> I saw you back there, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so I was about to go ask the guys from Cigar Warehouse if I could have a like an apprentice job because mm. I really loved cigars and I really wanted to learn about the industry. Because mm. there was a a brief period that I was thinking about moving back to my home state of Maine, okay, uh, up in the Northeast. To open up a cigar store, and I went to uh, Gus's smoke shop, and I had a couple guys there that I would talk to all the time, and they would they were like the sales guys that would help me out every time mm. I was going there, and one guy named Dennis Spike, uh, great dude, uh, he he just took to me, and he he loved teaching me about cigars, nice, and also pipes and stuff like that.
3: Mm. He uh,
2: he approached me and said, hey, do you think you want a part-time job? So this was right before I went up the street to Cigar Warehouse, they asked me first. And I started working on Sundays and my job was literally to mix pipe tobacco for the Mm -hmm. store. Because they had their own house blends for the store and I would have to sit there and mix the tobacco for their clients. Mm -hmm. And uh, you, you get your hands dirty for sure. But that was my first introduction into the cigar business. But within mm. six months, I had a full time job there, and nice. within six months, the owner put me at the register because somehow, I was able to memorize every yeah. price point of every cigar yeah, in the wow. humidor, because I went, I went down, I went deep into the rabbit hole of like knowing exactly what how a cigar from Honduras smelled mm. and how a cigar oh, from Nicaragua smelled and how a cigar from the Dominican oh, yeah. Republic smelled and how obviously Cuban cigars smelled. Mm. So I became one of these people in Los Angeles where people would come to me and say, Hey, uh, can you tell me about this cigar? And they'd give me a cigar with no band on it. Oh, and wow. I would have to tell them what it was. <laughs> um, and a lot of times it yeah. was, you know, I knew the, the Cuban portfolio really well, mm. like really well to where it was easy for me to look at a cigar just based off of the shade of the wrapper and the shape. And tell mm-hmm. you, oh, that's that's a uh, San Cristobal mm-hmm. uh, La Punta,
3: mm-hmm. you know
2: that that's easy. And they're like, well, wh- how how do you know it's not a Bello, a Boulevard Belicoso fino? I go because of the shade of the wrapper. That is, yeah, mm-hmm. that's. You don't even have to taste <laughs> it. So I, I've, I've probably lost a lot of that skill over the years because I don't follow the Cuban shit as much. Yeah, makes sense. If someone <laughs> gave me a if if someone gave me a traditional everyday production Cuban cigar, I would probably come close to what it is mm. but it was it was also being educated by guys like george brightman we talked about the, him earlier right it was right. also friends with, yeah. with aaron sigmund mm-hmm. um brightman was one of those guys that would give me cigars all the time without a and he's like tell me what it is Damn. just straight up tell me what it is so i'd have to go through looking at it you know dissecting it with my eyes first mm. and then you know, looking at the ring gauge, looking at the, you know, the shape and then eventually lightening up and going, okay, yeah, that's this. Damn, that's mm-hmm. So cool. blind tasting at its best. Um, but yeah, I probably lost a lot of that. Cause <laughs> uh-huh. I, yeah.
1: makes yeah. So someone good. tried
2: to blind taste me with one of my cigars one time. I was like, really? <laughs> like this is <laughs> obvious where it comes from. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> So yeah, that was my, that um, was my intro. Yeah. Um, Two cigars. That's a smoke shop. I eventually moved to a place called the Big Easy in mm-hmm. Studio City, but uh, opened up their store in Westwood, California, and that's mm-hmm. where eventually the Grand Adventure mm-hmm. came to me and said, "Hey, we need someone to run our retail mm-hmm. for us." Yeah. So it was it was a journey. It was a quick yeah. journey. Um, but in 1996, I went to the Dominican Republic and visiting. A bunch of factories and trying to find a factory that could make me a cigar and coming back from that first trip going i really have no clue what i'm looking mm. for mm. like so i, I waited mm. i waited i kind of gave up on the dream of making mm. my own product until i had a conversation with uh my now father-in-law
0: yeah and how mm. did that uh, first yeah. contact uh because like he, he was very famous in, in Cuba and all that, but you each other put each other on the board or oh, sorry, on the map well, kind of in the, in the U S and all. So how was that contact?
2: I, I, I always have this thing. I always have this thing with, with people who were famous in Cuba. They usually were from Havana mm-hmm.
3: Mm-hmm. and
2: Pepin wasn't. Pepin was from the center of the Island, um, I would say that he never became Havana famous. So not a lot of people knew about him. Mm. Like I didn't know about him when he first came into the States. Uh, A friend of mine who was a sales rep for a big company said, Hey, um, we have this guy coming in. If you still want to make a cigar, I think, I think this guy could probably do it for you. Mm. And I was like, nah, not really in, in the mindset Mm. to do it. Mm. And, uh, something had just happened in my life to where I was like, I was looking for something more and uh, it was actually my first dog died. So it was like really Mm -hmm. emotional. And Mm -hmm. I was looking for something like something Mm -hmm. to grab onto. And within, within a, you know, a a few minute conversation with the it was like clear that he knew exactly what I wanted to make for a cigar. Mm -hmm. I mean, I wanted what it was in his head you know in his hands and in his head like he just he just knew tobacco he took Nicaraguan tobacco and did something to it with the same tobacco he made me samples that I didn't like he out of a conversation of what I did like he instantly rolled me a new cigar that I was like shit holy shit there it is like he knew exactly from the conversation like oh that's easy Mm -hmm. I thought you wanted something crazy (laughs) like no I want I want the simplicity,
3: yeah. wow.
2: and that's why I think you know simplicity at its finest is when you find something that's so so easy and, and simple that you're like, how is it possible that it can be so mm. good? Mm. It's because you didn't do anything <laughs> to it. You didn't try to manipulate <laughs> yeah. it. Wow. You just let it be its own thing.
1: Naturally, yeah. So so that, I love that. Definitely. That that was your first contact with uh, Pepin, but when. When is your first time that you went to Cuba? What was your first like contact with Cuban cigars?
2: Well, first contact with Cuban cigars was in the early '90s. Uh, obviously, because I was visiting cigar stores in Los Angeles that yeah. would always have them somewhere in mm-hmm. the back okay. closet, you know, <laughs> hidden. Yeah. So I was really into that. Uh, was able to get exposed to the differences between those, you know, those tobaccos compared to Honduran or Nicaraguan Ooh. or Dominican tobaccos. And obviously, there was something just so different about it. Mm. And obviously, this is way before uh, Nicaragua evolved to where it is now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but there was something there was something special about those early days of smoking those Cuban cigars. So eventually, in two thousand sorry, nineteen ninety eight, I got invited to go to Cuba. Oh. Um, wow with a friend of mine who actually he, he was a, uh, his name was Ruben. Actually his name oh, yeah? he's still <laughs> alive. Uh, he's still around. He, he actually was always part of these big celebrity sporting events. Oh, and okay. they had, they had these like celebrity sports events where they'd have these competitions against each other. Um, you know, uh, pros versus Joe's type of thing. <laughs> and, uh, they would always have these events like in the Bahamas and places like that. He won a trip for two to, uh, oh, to damn. Cuba. And it was actually a group trip of like huh. supposed to be eight people. And it was one of those things where the guy that was supposed to go with him kind of bowed out last minute. Mm. He asked me, I was like, uh, <laughs> hell yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So I, I, we got, and I, and he's like, there's nobody I would want to visit Cuba with more because, you know, even though you've never been here, you know, where all the factories are, you know, Mm. what the factories are, what they produce. He goes, so I want to follow you around and we're going to go and smoke the best cigars of our lives. And we had an amazing time. We got to meet some old uh, custom Cuban rollers. Some, a couple of them are passed away. Mm. Um, it was always and even back then it was always buying you know something homemade by someone instead of buying something Mm. from the factory Mm. um so i was always into it so that Mm. was my first experience Mm. with going to the island and then in 2001 i went again with a buddy of mine and i didn't go back until 2007 and when i went back in 2007 it was with the family Mm -hmm. to Mm -hmm. their hometown in the center of the island and the funniest part about the trip is that I had to go through Costa Rica illegally, obviously. Oh, um, yeah. I had to go through Costa Rica on I think it was Taca Airlines or something like that. And then from, from Costa Rica to Havana. And Jaime and his father-in-law picked me up at the airport. And I figured they were going to give me a Cuban cigar to smoke. They they literally gave me a box of my own cigars. <laughs> <laughs> I was like they gave me a, ha- Jaime handed me a box of Coho 003s I go I, well I didn't expect to smoke this year but okay and he said only the best <laughs> um, so that was that was a, an amazing trip because I got to see a different side of Cuba I never right. saw I only saw Havana mm. before which oh, yeah, everybody talks about Havana and it's glitzy and you know it's the thing and mm. you know there are there are parts of Havana that still look really nice and there are parts of Havana that are horribly run down mm. And it's sad because beautiful buildings, uh, what a historic yeah, city, right? Incredible. Hmm. Going into the center of the island, you see, you know, small towns and very beautiful small towns that are starting to, you know, obviously depreciate also, but built, you know, a long time ago. And they, they had this, this thing about them. Mm-hmm. This, it, it was, I don't know what it is. It's just a warm feeling. Mm. And, uh, I immersed myself into that because I was taking showers with uh, cold water, you know, not cold water out of a shower head. I was literally, they would, it wasn't cold water because they would take a kind of like, it looks like a heating iron. They would Mm. shove it in a bucket of water (laughs) and then you would have (laughs) a cup and you would take a shower with a cup of water. Classic. And I didn't care. I was, uh, I was in the middle Mm -hmm. of the Island. No one could call me. You know, no one could tell me what to do, like no cell phone service. I would sit on the stoop of the front of the house and watch kids play baseball. It was amazing. And I was only there for, I was only there for three days, but uh, it was, it was probably one of the most perfect trips ever.
3: And that's where where I,
2: that's kind of where I came up with the whole black label um, original black label line, because there was an old man that literally, gave me a cigar. He recognized me from the night before. I had just taken a shower with a bucket of water. I went out to the front of the house. I wasn't smoking. I was just kind of sitting there taking in the sun and being at peace. Hmm. And this old man wearing green, like green military pants, uh, a guayabara and like a a Panama style hat on his Schwinn or whatever type of bicycle. And he had a few like homemade cigars in his pocket and he gave me one. Mm. And I lit it up and I sat there and I smoked that cigar mm. and I went to the back of the house and Pepin saw me smoking that cigar. And he goes, you like those styles of cigars? I said, yeah, I love stuff like this. I go, because there's more care in it because they made them for themselves. Mm. Mm. And uh, he started sending me around the neighborhood to like houses to get cigars <laughs> from his friends. <laughs> oh my god! He's like, just knock on the door at this house and tell him uh, Pepin sent you. Obviously <laughs> oh I, god. I couldn't speak Spanish, so I had to go with someone that spoke yeah. Spanish.
1: What a dream trip. And
2: they would they would be like this. Hold on, they come back with a handful of oh cigars. Gosh, and they're all like, you know, little little petite oh. coronas and panatellas. So mm. like small cigars. Okay. But there was something so real about them and genuine. So that's when I went back to Nicaragua and I said, I need to have like I know I make these cigars all for me, but they're labeled for the market. But I need to make a cigar that is truly for mm-hmm. me. And that's how the black label Corona Gorda came up. Oh, the Corona Gorda. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So it had a covered foot. It had a Fuma head, everything about it.
1: Yeah. That's what I was going to ask. Cause that's like a, that, that's the, the cap is like a nipple. nipple yeah. Cap. Yeah, yeah. That's from there. That's from like,
2: that was the thing that you saw in Cuba or... Well, yeah. I mean, Fuma heads, that's an old thing, obviously that that's a, like, it's kind of a simple way to roll the end of the cigar, just kind of bunch it up and twist it. Okay. Um, in the, in the case of the Fuma head that we do on the black label, it's actually a little tougher because not only do you have to do all that work to get that little, that little nipple on the head of the yeah, cigar, yeah. but then you have to triple cap. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's right. actually a lot of work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So in the factory, there's, when I tell Jaime that I want a Fuma head,
1: Sorry.
2: he he usually looks at me, he goes, I'm going to charge you more because that's a harder, a harder <laughs> head to make than just a traditional, you know triple cap okay. okay interesting. yeah even though it looks more rustic it's actually harder to make yeah god that's really really cool
1: so it was always uh homemade stuff that like did you ha- did you ever have like a favorite uh, regular release cuban or
2: yeah i was always a, a diplo 2 fan mm-hmm. oh, okay, um, nice. yeah h upman number twos uh mm-hmm. Boulevard bella finos yeah. in the so cabinet all the, all the, um of- figurados then yeah but not always the havana well i call it the havana Casadori, but the romeo cazadori was always Mm. like that was the cigar that i i loved but it was when i was searching for boxes when i was younger they'd always have to be really just like dark and chocolatey i love the foil paper so that's where the foil paper inspiration comes Mm -hmm. from too classic so if you see the stuff that i do with foil paper it's because of romeo cazadori's
1: And there was, a t- there was a specific roller there in Cuba, right, that did that that style that you visited?
2: Well, there was a Enrique Mon uh, used to do that a lot um, with his cigars, but there was a guy by the name of Rodolfo Tabuada. Rodolfo, right, yeah. Rodolfo Tabuada was the roller. Uh, by the time I saw him in Cuba, he was working at the Partigus factory. He was the show roller. So he was a Havana famous, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. He was the guy in the front of – front in the gift store or the, the the store of the factory where they would sell cigars. And I walked up to him one day and I said, uh, what's your name? And he told me his name. I was like, you're the guy. Like like I knew his cigars already because my friends right. had them in the United States. I go, oh, shit, you're the guy. And, uh, I had him roll me two bundles of a cigar that doesn't exist. And even the factory head looked at me funny and like, how do you know about that cigar? <laughs> and it was a simple, it was a simple Robusto, but it was a particular blend. And it was the Florida Cano short Churchill, mm-hmm. okay. which uh, if you ever got Florida Cano short Churchill's from like those early days, like even late eighties, early nineties, they were usually made for like executives or, or okay. sheiks or princes and whatever, Damn. only people that asked for them. And he looked at me and said, How do you know about that? And I said, I actually had like 35 bundles at one time. Damn. Whoa. Um, a buddy of mine came up to me shortly after the trip, and I had smoked most of them. And he goes, You ever hear of a cigar called Florida Cano Short Churchill? I go, Yeah. And I went to my locker at the Gran Havana room and I came back with two cigars, one for me and one for him. He goes, What's this? I go, It's a Florida Cano short Churchill. He goes, how did you get this? I go, I had it made in Havana.
1: Yeah. By Rodolfo.
2: (laughs) And he looked at me, he goes, do you know how much these cigars are selling for in Hong Kong? I go, no. He goes, $4,000 a bundle. Oh, my Jesus. I was like, wow. (laughs) Like, I maybe, I looked at him, I said, can you give me the cigar back? (laughs) Yeah.
1: (laughs) Uh, There's a Vitola de Galera that's called uh, Rodolfo. I wonder if that's that's, um, named after him, like a Cuban one.
2: Uh, probably not. Uh, I, that's you're talking about Viveros.
1: No, the like the, there's a no, there's a like an actual vitola de galera. It's a 58 by 180. Oh. called Rodolfo, which mm-hmm. I remember seeing it, and I searched it up now on Cuban cigar website and there.
2: I you know the, I don't know. Yeah, he was. You know what his most uh, popular cigar that he would roll uh, that we would always see up in the United States were, were 109s. Oh
1: you know, yeah, like, you know, Those are what nice. they
2: call. What do they call them? Uh,
1: They're like half figured shit. out songs. yeah.
2: No, yeah, but what's the the factory name? Now I'm blanking. I <laughs> usually know all this shit. Um, oh, it was called a Lusitania, but it wasn't what we think about Partagas Lusitania. Yeah, but the yeah. size was called okay. a Lusitania. Okay, and it was a, it was the it was the 109 in the Partagas 150 box that you'd see. So. He, Huh. He'd always make 109 sizes, and a lot of times they were with covered feet, which was another thing oh, that I nice. took from that whole experience. Mm-hmm. A lot of the stuff that I do is definitely based off of Cuban customs. Mm-hmm. Uh, even in regular production for us, there's there are things that are paying homage to that Cuban custom. Mm-hmm. Again, don't forget cool. the past; just just take it to a different a different place.
1: Right. Yeah, you're honoring Cuba, Cuban like cigar history more than
2: Nabanas themselves almost <laughs> I, <really like> that. <laughs> I, I i'm a, I, you know what it is i'm just a nerd for it i mean yeah, i was I probably that. a bigger nerd for it but i still geek out talking about it mm-hmm. because i i still like well i i talked about this on another show recently and w- i was laughing because when i did the grand Cohonu, a six and a half by 60 i put mm-hmm. a covered foot on it it still has a covered foot mm. but when when cigar Aficionado first reviewed it, they actually reviewed it a very low rating,
3: mm-hmm.
2: like I think it was like eighty-five points or something. Damn! Mm-hmm. And they said um, they said the the wrapper is too long for the cigar, and I, I just started cracking up. <laughs> I'm like, that, because it's supposed yeah, yeah. to be. Oh, d- they, did. they didn't know what a closed foot was. I don't think they really, <laughs> you know. I don't think they, My- you know, again, <laughs> regular production regular production product. They didn't have closed feet. You know yeah, that yeah, was yeah. a. Yeah. That was a thing for, you know, you know, hand rolls or custom rolls that you'd get. So yeah. you wouldn't see, you wouldn't see production cigars with closed feet. Huh. Um, so that was, that was something I paid attention mm-hmm. to. And I haven't changed that cigar once since we started it. So it's great that uh, it's now one of our biggest selling cigars. <laughs>
1: That's, awesome. That's awesome. Wow. Wow. Uh, yeah uh so i think i think we'll we'll let you uh we'll let you go there you, I, you've, you've been more than generous with your time this has been no absolutely such a good man. chat such i had a great
2: chat. time um and i love the fact that you asked questions that i about stuff that i don't really talk mm. about so it's, mm. it's actually kind of nice yeah it was okay last question yeah, then. Who, who do you have and I think the Super Bowl?
1: <laughs> you before, before, before
2: the- i answer before <laughs> yeah. i answer that question though I think this is probably why you told me that Aaron kept on talking and talking because it, you guys are easy to talk to. <laughs> well, that's um, good to hear. Super Bowl. Um, it's it's still too early. Yeah, but, I have uh, my pick. I have people around me that that uh, obviously I'm a Brady fan, mm-hmm. so and right. and and I'm a Gronk fan. Yeah, oh,
3: yeah. so
2: I would want to see <laughs> I want to see the Bucks. Um, yeah, go. Um. One of the my father sales reps that works with my wife, uh, someone that I've become very close friends with. We travel mm. together too. Um like, we go on couples traveling together.
3: <laughs> mm.
2: Like we were in Italy in August together. So, oh nice. They uh, their their next door neighbor is one of the Gronkowski family members. Oh, oh, so oh. so they become really friendly with the Gronks, and and the whole thing is that. They want the Bills and the Bucks to go Uh, to the Super Bowl. Okay. And (laughs) it's funny because my house in Los Angeles actually is within, you know, three miles of the stadium. So it would be easy access Mm, to the game. Not bad. Um, So, yeah, for selfish reasons, we want those two two teams to go because there's potentially some tickets uh, that are going to (laughs) be set aside.
1: Fingers crossed then
2: but uh i don't know i think it's still too early i mean there's mm. a, there's great teams like the rams are playing like crazy yeah. even though i don't like them the cardinals um the uh you know patrick mahomes is always an amazing player mm. Mm. uh you can't yeah. can't take anything away from that kid that kid's going to find a way to get to the yeah. super bowl yeah uh so it's yeah, it's really man. hard to say um who's your pick I'm curious.
0: I actually had the the Bills. Uh, oh, right. yeah.
2: Okay. Oh, so Richie from my father? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He said that.
0: No, but I think so. Just yeah. after like their latest impressive performance, and uh, you know with Josh Allen, Diggs, and Singletary, it's just a mm. triple threat that is. Uh, it's just mm. so explosive. So, yeah, I think I think they'll manage to go to the Super Bowl and take it you guys watch a lot of football over in
1: sweden yeah generally like in we sweden not, not yeah
0: uh, but uh but we do certainly
1: yeah, yeah. rubens is a Cow- ruben is a cowboys <laughs> fan so maybe yeah i was like is, is, are you gonna put that out there carl
2: <laughs>
0: that's that's yeah. great yeah the cowboys <laughs> mm-hmm. but but I'm america's yeah. and sweden's team apparently
1: <laughs> yeah exactly yeah, I don't know. I think the Packers might do well. We'll see. They have a bye, so we'll, exactly. We,
0: but well, actually—we yeah. were talking about how they how they choke in the playoffs. So
2: I think, yeah. yeah, you never know though, because I think uh, you know guys like Brady have always said you can wake up any any day and just have a shitty day. Yeah, and someone will beat you. So yeah. I I don't think. Yeah. No, it's. I don't think there's any safe bet. Definitely not. You know, like, I think it's yeah. they're all playing really well, they're all in playoff mode. Yeah, um,
3: There's the, a lot especially
2: pain. the teams that won this last weekend, they won by huge yeah. numbers. Yeah, um, I think maybe the buy for the Packers might have a problem. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe. the fact that they didn't mm-hmm. play maybe that's maybe where won. they get into yeah. trouble. So, true, yeah.
1: I hope our, our listeners that came here to hear about cigar, cigar stories enjoyed those last <laughs> yeah. few minutes there. Uh, yeah, right? <laughs> Thank you so much, Pete. Once again, this has uh, been an absolute blast. I forgot we were recording a podcast for a while there. It was
0: just yeah, so fun. Yeah, definitely. No, don't worry. Great to hear all your stories. And As long as I didn't
2: say anything dumb, we're good. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much.
0: Yeah. Well, there you have it, guys. The interview with Pete Johnson that we were looking forward to so much. I mean, what a guy. He is so chill the entire time. Just uh, like you said during the podcast, lad, we forgot pretty much that we were even recording it, just having <laughs> yeah. such a natural flowing conversation with uh, with the guy. So, yeah. Yeah,
1: yeah, spectacular talk. It was really cool to nerd out about some some uh, more, uh, I guess, detailed uh, sort of, yeah, nerdy, I guess is the, is the right word, answers. And mm-hmm. getting into some non-cigar stuff was really cool. As, uh, so I hope you guys enjoyed it, uh, most importantly, because this was just a blast. Um, so, yeah, thank you guys so much, as always, for, uh, for listening, tuning in, and we'll see you guys on the next one cheers cheers